Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. This week, as we're getting towards the end of the year, drawing 2020 to a close, we thought we'd spend a, a little while musing on, on some of our past episodes and perhaps giving some updates or perhaps just pointers to things that, that we think are interesting that we've talked about in the past. However, before we actually dig into the episodes themselves, I thought I'd mention that we've now been, been recording and, and publishing The Business of Property for over a year. And a bit prior to that, or, or sort of around the time that Stuart and I started recording this, we were also toying with other ideas of, of things that we could do. And one of those was the, the potential for putting on a, a real-life physical show, as in a, a sort of property show. It would be a, a local to us and, and smaller scale than the, than the crazy big national shows. However, we were looking at potentially doing this in sort of early 2020, the, the dates we were, or some of the dates we were considering, were sort of around Easter in 2020. And for various reasons, towards the end of 2019, we decided uh, against doing this. So, so, Stuart, do you think that was a good decision in, in hindsight? Um, I joined the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, I, I think it would have been a very, very different year for us if we decided to go ahead with that. And it would have been, been uh, it would have contained a lot more stress and, and a lot more upset. <laughs> so, uh, yes, in, in, I mean, it was it was the right decision at the time. Anyway, uh, we we made it for completely different reasons, obviously, compared to what actually happened in 2020. But, uh, but yes, now with hindsight as well, I'm I'm very pleased that that was the decision we reached. <laughs> yeah, likewise. But maybe maybe we'll do something in in the future when when the world is a bit more back to to actually meeting people in real life rather than uh, across video calls as we we currently are we we shall see but anyway getting started on the episodes that we thought we'd we'd mention the first one was one back near the beginning of 2020 where we had a a little look at some of the changes that we were expecting um for landlords during during the year of course one or two other things cropped up that we we didn't expect so the things we expected were requirements for EPC rating to be at least E. That came in in, in April. Uh, Section 24 changes to the tax requirements. They, they also, uh, the full effect came in in, in April. Uh, and there were, there's the Tenant Fees Act, which stopped agents and landlords from charging fees for, for almost anything, in fact to tenants and also limited the, the amount of the deposit that, that could be taken. And, of course, there were also rumours about Section 21 <laughs> potentially being scrapped. And, and of course, that, that one was actually uh, sort of related to what turned out to happen. But, uh, but yes, in, in very unexpected ways. <laughs> yes, I, I don't think we quite foresaw what 2020 had in, <laughs> in store for us, did we? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure even Nostradamus did. No, quite. I think 2020 was a a tough one to predict. Moving on a bit, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to a couple of glossary sort of episodes that that we did. Episode 12 and episode 13, where we talked about property investment terms and property strategy terms. So these were things like 
strategies like rent to rent and service accommodation and things like that. I'm not going to do a, a full recap now, obviously, but if you're getting started and you're curious about understanding more of the, the terms you get thrown around in property, pop back and, and have a listen to those. So moving on again, we get to episode 16, which was the start of um, sort of the, it, it wasn't, well, it wasn't actually lockdown at that point, but things were starting to be, be closed by, by the government. And this was a conversation with Emma, who's a, an estate agent, about the changes that we were already seeing, and particularly she was already seeing, to the, the property market. And the other end of that experience was episode 27, where again we, we have a chat to Emma about how the property market was coming out of lockdown. So, so Stuart, what, what do you sort of remember about that period of, of the first lockdown and, and how it affected things for, for you looking back? Well, it's funny because I remember that conversation quite well. And with, with four children, I've got to be honest, usually if it's, if it's more than seven sleeps ago, I don't remember it just because our sleep pattern is still interrupted by my youngest. So um, I, I think you're doing well. I, 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 I struggle to remember seven sleeps and all of mine sleep through the night now. <laughs> and I remember that conversation purely because it, it was great to have Emma on and get the experience of someone that's literally in at the coalface. And it's funny, isn't it, how hindsight changes. But I remember at that time, we had no idea what was really coming, what changes were going to happen. All we knew was that at that time, the market, the property market was on a very steep upward trend. We had the, the, the renowned Boris bounce happening. And then all of a sudden, the COVID hit and we, we just weren't sure what was going to happen. And, and I think that sort of came through with the conversations with Emma. There was just a great deal of uncertainty at, at that time. And that's, that's probably my biggest memory of, of, of that time in that episode and my thinking at the time which was typically we, we just need to continue as in me my company will just continue doing what we're doing but being mindful that that things could change at that time we hadn't even started to consider for, for my business that universities would close that lockdown would affect the economy as much as it did and and clearly it has and will continue to do so as as we're seeing recently with the further changes in the retail landscape so yeah it's we just did we didn't know how much was going to happen did we no indeed and and a lot did end up changing of course things very rapidly changed with the housing market basically being shut down so transactions dropped to almost nothing and prices in in the property world didn't really change much at that point i think because the transactions were, were stopped, the market just stood still. It, it didn't, didn't drop or, or anything else like that, which, which was obviously a, a big concern, I remember, at that time. We weren't sure if things, people being nervous about, about the, the virus and the, the risks involved in that would actually just make everything slow down, including sort of the pricing. And, and that didn't seem to happen. So that was, looking back, I think that's quite interesting, the fact that the price is held while transactions basically stopped. And then, of course, as we came out of that period, lockdown, the, the, the property market lockdown was sort of one of the earliest bits to be released. 
And, and I think it became clear fairly quickly that there was a, a lot of pressure from, from that backlog of everything being stopped. So yeah, it's, um, it wasn't sort of the obvious result from that lockdown and those changes. But, uh, but yeah, it's, looking back, it's, it's interesting. And the, the main thing I remember about that first lockdown from my own personal experience was around worries about rent income. So lots of people were saying people were struggling to, to pay their rent and people were uncertain about their jobs and the furlough scheme was being introduced, but people weren't sure quite what that meant and what would happen there. And I remember I proactively contacted my tenants and sort of asked them how they were getting on, what was happening, and some were, some were, were fine and just carrying on working from home. Others were uncertain about their jobs and not sure what was, what was going to be happening. And there were uh, rent reductions, rent forgivenesses, rent forgiveness. No, I'm not going to try and say that. <laughs> there were some rent reductions that I um, provided to some of my tenants to help them through that period. And I remember also you had problems with, with students sort of towards the end of, of lockdown where your, your sort of occupation was, was dropping. And again, you were having some, some concerns about, about actual rental income. Looking back, did you end up missing out on much rental income or how, how did that turn out? The, fun, the funny thing is, actually, the student rental income was the least impacted, I would say, of, of the portfolio. We, we've got one tenant who is still went MIA at the end of March and we've never heard from him or his partner again. So, And uh, I, I'm being slightly flippant. I'm, I'm pretty sure he is safe and well. Uh, I think he left the country with his partner and, and, and left Europe. I think the COVID and Brexit affected him. And, and I will always say that they left the flat in impeccable condition. And that's one thing I'm grateful for. I, I wish they'd have just provided more communication so that we could have talked about it. But so that and that was working tenants. Also had another tenant that um, on the day of Boris's announcement, I believe, said that she could no longer afford the rent. So that was quite <laughs> interesting timing. Not sure how that worked out. And then I think of the, of the students of which we had around, let's say, 20. Only one of them had an issue with paying and we came to an agreement. We came to an agreement on that where they would pay a percentage of the rent because they were concerned that they weren't in the property. A lot of students did stay because, again, we look back on it and where would the students rather stay? With their, uh, with their old fogey parents or with their group of mates in a house? So it doesn't take a lot of thinking. So, And also the government supported the fact that like all of us, students still had to pay the rent, whether they were there or not. And we could we could debate about the the fairness of that or not. But I know, you know I, I'm a tenant, and I have to pay my rent come hell or high water. And so, so yeah, so so it didn't affect us that much actually. All in all, we we came out of it okay. I, I say it still tentatively because of where we're at. I still being even being an optimistic person with an optimistic outlook I'm still uncertain as to where this will take us but like a lot of businesses my business has started to change as as a direct result of what we've had and I would now so say the portfolio whereas bef- a year ago it was predominantly student and I'd say 80% I haven't done the math so I'm just plucking figures but we were 80% student profile we're looking more like 50-50 now, 50% student, 50% young professionals and workers. And that, that isn't by accident. That is something we are deliberately 
changing. Not, and, I, and I'm hastened to add, not purely because of COVID. COVID is, is something. And actually, I'd argue that students might be a more consistent tenant profile to have once they're in the property. Because typically, if we're getting year two students, they'll stay for year two and year three. And they'll, they'll pay their rents when they're due. The reason we're changing that uh, tenant profile is because it's very hard to manage cash flow with three sets of cash flow because they pay at term time, start of each term. So, mm-hmm. so uh, they'll pay in October and then January and then uh, April. That's very hard to manage your ongoing cash flows. And the second reason is is the maintenance costs. Mainten- maintenance costs for student properties are much, much higher. But I've kind of dragged this off, off piste here, so apologies for that. But I just Well, I don't know. I, th- I think you might have blurred slightly into the, the next one I was going to mention. So one of our, our favourite episodes of all time <laughs> is episode 28. And I'm not going to go into the details of what we actually discussed in that episode. But the, the title for the episode is HMOs Are Dead. Yeah, they are. My business is over. It's all gone. <laughs> um, so whatever we said in that episode, you'll have to go back and, and listen if you're curious. We're, we're going to leave that there. But looking afresh right now, presumably you don't think they are all that dead, Stuart, seeing as you're <laughs> in the process of expanding your HMO um, portfolio. <laughs> That's right. We, but this time next year, I imagine it would have not that the portfolio won't have doubled, but the number of rooms will have doubled, if that kind of makes sense. Some of which is purchased property, some of which is rented property, rent, rented property that we are then renting out, so rent to rent. And I think you raised some interesting points on that episode, and like other people, like you said, other people have to go back and listen to that. Because there are, of course, concerns around proximity of people, given all of the measures that were in place that we, can't, we don't need to get into. And also the, the fact that people want more outside space. However, in the areas that we look to purchase, we're looking at central locations, central city locations, and, and obviously our location is a, is a university town. Therefore, the, the housing requirement is still very high. And if we're looking at the, for want of a better word, if we're looking at the life cycle or the progression of uh, homes needed, if students are in properties the next stage is obviously they then look for a property themselves now a lot of them still can't afford to go straight into their own flat studio or or one bedroom so they will still then look for a a shared co-living space which is where our company steps in and of course they've already got the experience of it so they know what it's like to stay in a co-living space they've got that experience but they probably just want one that's less of a student experience and now more of a more adult one so yeah, at the moment, we're not seeing that change. And you, I think you just talked about how we might need to approach things in the future in terms of communal areas and also in the new property. I'm already thinking about, you know, how can we, how can we help with that in terms of, you know, less things to touch. And, of course, in a house, there are, there are only so many things you could do, but we can still provide, for example, we could still provide, you know, antibacterial gels in the in the hallway for when people walk in or walking out you know that kind of thing is something i'm thinking about if it fits in with the property and um but equally you know that house will become a bubble for for all intents and purposes so yeah the, the short answer is it, it it hasn't affected what we're doing 
it might affect the tenant profile. And I think what we discussed in the episode, there, there will be people that, that maybe won't want to do that, but they'd have to change what they're looking for and, and maybe look at the areas they're looking at because they wouldn't necessarily be able to afford central locations with the budget they've got. Yeah, exactly. I, I think there's just too many people needing houses well, or properties, should I say, somewhere to live, homes, that's the word. So early on in careers and, and at that point, as you say, they they need that kind of living arrangement to be economically suitable for, for their situation. So yeah, I, I can't see it going anywhere anytime yeah. soon. And, and we're, we're not... Regardless um, of everything else. Yeah, and we're not oblivious to it. We, we know that most of the people in our houses, although we have had some people that have been in our properties for for around two years now and they're in the, the properties that we've done up to a a very high degree so it's no surprise that they're happy to stay but we you know we're we're very aware that this is a step up property and and that's what it's designed to be and we want it to be a really good step up so the property that we're refurbishing now I don't want it to be a property that someone says oh yeah I'm just going to stay here while I save the money to to buy my first flat I want it to be a property where they inv- they want to invite their friends and family around and say come and have a look at where I'm staying that's that's the vision in my mind is that the properties are that nice that they go, you've got to come and see my house. I, I, I'm so proud of it. I'd love you to come and have a look. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, um, that that's gonna that property you're talking about. I think is going to feature in a, in a few minutes, basically. <laughs> so uh, pause that thought. We'll come back to it. <laughs> the so the next one I was going to mention was the very next episode uh, number twenty nine, on which we are talking about bounce back loans and the fact that you did take out a bounce back loan and you had some resulting hiccups from that uh, around the the mortgage world and and banks being a little reticent to to lend to you with you having taken a, a bounce back loan however since then you you're you're continuing on it doesn't seem to have stopped you or slowed you down at all you're you're buying more you're doing more so presumably that was just a, a temporary blip are, are you still seeing those restrictions or any issues from it nothing that's come up so far and yes, I may have renamed the acronym BBL to Bastard Bank Loan, but of course, I would never be that irreverent. So I'd never say that aloud on a <laughs> podcast. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. Now I've got to work out how to insert a bleep over that guy. <laughs> <laughs> New editing skills coming up. <laughs> I, I, I think that's acceptable language. Uh, the, <laughs> um yeah, so that was that experience was the fact that we had had a bounce back loan into the business and it was aligned with the conversation we'd had around taking or potentially taking mortgage holidays, which we discussed at the time and I said we would do everything we could to not take it, but would accept it if we had to. And trust me, we sailed very close to it. We got very close to needing to take that mortgage holiday. But I was very keen not to do it because my view was always that regardless of what the banks had said, and I might be a little distrustful of banks, but regardless of what they said, I was concerned about the impact mortgage holidays would have on the business's future ability to, to borrow funds. That came to fruition when, when one of the loans we were looking at, once they uncovered, or as part of our application process, that we'd had a bounce back loan, they said that... Yeah, they wouldn't be happy to to loan, um, which kind of validated our previous thinking. Although they said the credit scores wouldn't be affected, and so on, that 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 banks were keeping score 
whether that was overtly or covertly they were. But the good news is we haven't seen that come through. And as you said, we've we've got a couple of, we've had a few offers on the table. I have to say there are some banks that have come out with, as far as I'm concerned, some some gold stars. Interbay have been very supportive and I like how they've operated. They've, even though we've had bridging loans that have needed extending, they have proactively contacted us prior to the end of the the, um, the bridging loan periods and they've extended that provided we've provided all of that information and of course you know, they, they ask for more information than I believe is necessary however they've been very good Land Bay also been really really good these are very specific types of lenders for, for jobs um, but we've you know we've also looked at residential and you know we've had a couple of other residential banks that have seem to be wanting to give money so that touch wood hasn't come up against uh, again but uh, I don't want to speak too soon on that Yes, indeed. We, yes, we'll, we'll touch on that again in a few minutes. <laughs> so the the previous one that I, I mentioned we would come up to, uh, episode 37, the deep dive into your HMO refurb. So this is the property, was a, a student let, or, or was let to two students, perhaps I should say, and you uh, you kicked them all out and you've completely refurbed it from top to bottom. And in, in episode 37, we walked through every room in the house and the the plans for what you're going to do and which walls you're going to move and what you're going to change and then working up to to the decorations and all, all of the the details and this I think this is going to be one of my one of my favorite episodes because I always like looking at the actual property and the actual uh, detail of of what can be done to improve a, a property because you're a proper property geek that's why <laughs> <laughs> no, never, definitely not. No, <laughs> um, and, and there, there are floor plans and everything in the show notes for that that episode. So I, I highly recommend going back and having listened to that one. And this project is actually now nearly finished, isn't it, Stuart? Do you, do you want to give us just a, a a very quick status update on on how that's going now? And and looking back, how you how you feel the project has gone overall? Yeah, it's you, you've made me smile because, yes, we did politely ask the students to leave that property. And, and interestingly, that does align with pre- previous episodes that we've talked about where one of those tenants, I quote, said he didn't believe he had to pay rent now that coronavirus existed. And uh, <laughs> well, I probably couldn't share too much on the podcast, but he wasn't paying his rent, hadn't paid his rent for two months. But then Let's just say we, we got privy to the fact that he had over a thousand pounds in a suitcase. So, um, so that, that was an interesting story, which maybe we'll share another day. But um, we have, yeah, we, we're nearly at the end of that. So it's a five bed property. Uh, actually, it's a, it's a four bed that we turned into a five bed. Now four en suite. And the fifth bedroom has its own private shower room. We've got brick cladding on walls, which is bloody expensive, by the way. So we will revise exactly how much of that we use in future developments, but it's uh, we'll probably come on to that in a future episode in terms of costings. We've also got OSB hallway in the wall. Uh, sorry, OSB walls in the hallway. And we've got a new kitchen, new kitchen design in there, and we've got white cladding wall in the kitchen. And we're just getting to a stage now where we've invited the um, a local artist. We've got in touch with a local artist who is really, really good. It's a, what he can do with a spray can is quite amazing. Which again, when we get there, we'll we'll share all the photos and and updates via the business of property dot com. 
Uh, in terms of the project, it's, it's probably lasted, well, it has lasted longer than it should have done. But we've had, we've had obviously a certain virus to contend with and that really affected. And there was one funny moment where I visited the property and one of the rooms, literally full, I think there was something like 29 bags of plaster in the, in the room. And I remember speaking with uh, Ryan, the builder, who we were quite close with, and he just said, yeah, we, ha- we had to order that just to make sure we covered because we're just not sure about the supply at the moment. But we've seen that throughout the build process where at one stage, even though we're in the south, uh, like Plymouth in the southwest, unfortunately, the, the, you know, the builder had to drive to Bristol just to get some OSB boards. So we've seen, we've seen some challenges in terms of materials. So that's taking a bit longer. And of course, there were times where we just couldn't have teams on site. So where are we now? We're probably a good couple of months behind where we should have been on this particular development. However, we're at the stage where it's really nice, where we've got the artist in now. He's putting art on the walls. The carpet should be, fingers crossed, going down as I speak, which means we're nearly there. So we've just got to get the furniture in and... Yeah, look forward to sharing lots of photos with uh, with you and the audience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing those photos and and at some point digging through the finances as well and seeing. Uh, oh God, seeing how how the budget went as well as the, oh, the time damn. time elements of it. So <laughs> we'll come back to that another day. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on for, from that one, then these there were two of these. One one of them was further back, one was a bit ahead of other things I'm going to mention. But just to give a quick shout out for a couple of episodes where we dove into market stats uh, there's episode 35 and uh, episode 50 where we looked at some of the effects through the lockdown both for, for sort of market demand and pricing of properties as well and how we're we're seeing those changing over time but one of the biggest landlord news stories of 2020 has of course been changes to the eviction process so particularly mm. around Section 21, but it didn't just affect Section 21. It also affected Section 8. So this is, or these are the processes of either just asking a tenant to leave because you'd like them to leave, because you want to do something else with the property, or, or whatever reason, it doesn't matter in Section 21, um, but also the process of asking them to leave because they're not paying rent or because they're being antisocial or other sort of much more tenant related or tenant behavior related issues and during 2020 these evictions have been stopped completely they have had notice periods extended so from two months for section 21 to six months now they've had notice periods sort of tweaked a bit around again so if tenants are very over there uh, very late with rent owing lots of rent many months then you have shorter notice periods. If they're um, having antisocial behaviour problems, again, you have shorter notice periods. The courts were closed for a while, so you couldn't actually progress any eviction processes through the courts, but they have now opened again. However, despite the fact that they're open, the bailiffs have now been asked not to enforce certain, in fact, most evictions. So you, you, you might go through the eviction process, tend to leave, take them to court, go through that process, get a successful court order saying, yes, they must leave. Uh, and now you can't actually enforce that with, with bailiffs, um, at least until sort of early January. 
So it's it's been up and down and all over the place this year on, on the eviction process. I know both of us have had various interactions with these changes and some of those are, are still sort of ongoing as well. But it's, it's just made life extra uncertain, hasn't it, for, mm. for everything and everyone involved. I think from from my point of view, I haven't come up against this too badly or, or with bad outcomes. So my main one, my main interaction with this has been around the property that I've I've sold recently, and the tenant that was there. So of course we couldn't rely on the standard two month Section Twenty One notice period to just ask them nicely to leave, and um, because we wanted to sell it. Instead, we had to rely on sort of negotiations outside that and talking to the tenant and working with them to find out when they would be ready to move and how that could could fit in with our plans so so yes it's it's been been a, an interesting time and i think you've you've had uh, slightly worse interactions with the changes haven't you Stuart yeah i think one thing we're all agreed on is that protecting tenants is a, is a really good thing the challenge for us as investors, property owners, and landlords, is that sometimes it feels like the weighting goes too far in one direction. And I think this is one of those cases whereby we want people to be safe in their homes and and not to just be pushed out. However, there should be common sense around when people are mistreating homes and all of the things that you've just mentioned, that that there should be due course. And I've been speaking with quite closely with letting agents recently because of some properties I've gotten you know the the fact of the matter is right now if we want to remove someone from a property we we are looking at six months minimum and I'm quite certain that's a minimum I don't expect it to happen in six months I don't I just don't think that would be the case because it'll be six months before it even gets to where we'd want it to get to in the courts and then that process we know is all backed up so yeah we've I mentioned it earlier on with uh, tenants that we had. I was just fortunate in the fact that the student tenants that were mistreating a property, we, like I say, we spoke with them and I spoke with a letting agent who had other rooms to put them in And because I just essentially said, I do not want these people in my property anymore. Now, of course, legally, I think they could have stayed there. This was probably, this was about the time of lockdown, so it was touch and go, but because... We offered them a solution, just said, look, here's another property for you. Please leave mine. I'm about to refurbish it. So they left. I do have other challenges, and we've had rent arrears on a couple. And you mentioned the two months, and that is one of the things we looked at. So to evict a tenant more expediently, let's say, if if they are more than six months behind on rent, you've still got that option. But... the rent on one of my properties is quite low in terms of total value terms. So to get to six months could take us several months, for example. So that's it's not going to help us. So I am now considering options on that because it's got to a stage where I do just want the property back. I'm thinking I've met with the tenant. I have nothing against the tenant. The, the tenant is very nice, but unfortunately, I just don't think at this stage in life they can afford the property they're in. So need to make decisions. So, so it has been a challenging environment, particularly when you've got tenants, and it is a very hard one. And I know there'll be possibly not on this podcast, but there'll be a lot of people that argue, well, it's been a tough year, and people have lost jobs, and and I accept all of that. 
But I, I too am a tenant and I've been in these situations where, and I've had conversations with landlords and said, look, I'm, I'm concerned about levels of income. And the answer was, okay, but this is the rent and that's what we expect you to pay. And if you can't afford it, then, then I, it's probably a good idea for you to look for somewhere else to live. Which, to be fair, I couldn't argue with because... Yeah, I mean, that, that is the agreement that the renters go into, that, that they yeah. will pay rent and, and that's what, what allows them to stay in the house. So. Yeah, and, and I personally, I think I've been very patient. We've, we've, like I say, we've not had at least three months' worth of rent we've I've not put any pressure on because I'm quite cognizant of people's mental health and again one thing I don't want to be tarred with is is the you know the rogue slum landlord brush and but there does come a point where equally as a as a business owner and a property owner we have to say look actually based on the budget you've got which you can get via let's say universal credit or housing benefit you could go and get somewhere that's still as quite nice but just not as nice as this property and and that's kind of where I'm getting to and I think in the right way I'll approach it with the with the tenant and just say look we we kind of want access to this property now so yeah exactly it's it's all about approaching the tenant and and trying to negotiate something with them now really given the Mm. the the current lack of sort of official process or lack of expedient official process yeah And, and there are properties where I won't speak about directly, but there are properties also where we have now agreed to take the rent directly from the universal credit. And that that is very helpful for a landlord, particularly if you've not received income for a few months, to know that that, that is now just coming, regardless of how the tenant you know, is performing, you know, is, is able to pay. We know that that, that rent or, or 90% of it gets paid so that's that's quite helpful for people to know that you that you have that option yeah it's de- definitely useful when when that's necessary as a as a backup so moving on to the the next episode to mention is number 51 and this was another chat that we had with with emma and i think this is the first episode that we really dug into and mentioned down valuations and we, we've They've cropped up a, a couple of times since, I think. And while while the market and the stats are all coming out saying property prices are up, up, up massively, up the, the highest they've, they've seen in, or the highest rise they've seen in five years or so. Actually, at the coalface, banks, surveyors, mortgage companies seem to be pushing through some down valuations. So where a sale has been agreed at a price, Surveyor comes out and values it at lower than that price for the mortgage company, forcing buyer and seller to accept a lower price or for that sale to fall through quite often. So this is this seems to be a relatively new, as in the last couple of months, phenomenon for, for the current market. But we have to wonder, is it going to be a longer term phenomenon? Do you think this is going to, going to last through into 2021? Or, or do you think once the the market picks up again with a its normal sort of post Christmas boost, do you do you think that those fears will go away? In the very short term, i.e., next three to six months, I don't see it going anywhere. I think because we're in the throes of a market that, and I suppose after reflection on it, it's it's a market which is very unusual. We've discussed we discussed it on the last episode. The fact that 
property prices at the seen the biggest increase for five years, you know, compared to you know November 2020 versus November 2019 was up something like well it was up six six and a half percent, which is quite amazing. And as we've talked about on the show, I've got direct experience of this. We were about to sell a property and the surveyor downvalued it by uh, twenty thousand pounds, which was um, around ten percent, around ten percent deval. And I guess this is one of my biggest frustrations with with where we're at and, and with banks. I have to say my experience of banks is, is frustrating, but is this real disconnect? Because So there's a real government push with all of the things that we've always spoken about to, to ensure that the property market is still moving, that transactions are happening, that people feel like they can move. Yet there is a disconnect and it's really incongruent because the banks don't necessarily align with that. and you know, you've just covered off all the areas that could align with that. So it's about surveyors, bank valuations, decreased loan to values. To a certain extent, I do understand it because we are in this, for want of a better word, we're in this bubble where there's just a lot happening. And I, I can understand what the banks are frightened of is over leverage, where they're lending on properties that in six months time might, mightn't be worth what they've they've loaned on. So I don't see that changing because obviously we've got to the end of March, March 2021 for the stamp duty holiday. There's going to be a hangover from that in terms of purchases going through. And with movement, there's always, you know, two, two, at least two parties moving or chains moving. So I think there'll be, you know, the follow on from that coming through. And I don't see the banks changing their model because they're, they're obviously concerned that the market will change, that, that there's going to be a, a correction perhaps or or what we think is is there's just a, a large black hole we don't know what's going to happen really with with the property market with the economy and dare i say it we've also got brexit to contend with in in amongst all of that so there's probably too many variables for anyone to be confident of where the market's going to end up and therefore they're going to be very cautious and when banks are cautious that means of course they're going to lend lower amounts and they're going to be a lot more stringent about whom they lend and, and, and how they lend it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's all about the lack of confidence and, and hence the, the increased cautiousness. It's, it's all driving from that. And, and of course, it may, may be a, that cautiousness may end up being self-fulfilling in, in the, the problems it creates. But, uh, but really, the, the root cause is, is the uncertainty. While government might be able to help a little with that, it could certainly help a lot with it around Brexit if it sorted things out. But um, in other factors, obviously, it doesn't have control over the, the virus. It doesn't have control over how successful or not the, the rollouts of the vaccines go. Uh, well, actually, I suppose it has some control over that. But anyway, the, the point being, there is a lot of uncertainty around at the moment. And a lot of that uncertainty, there's nothing anyone can do about it. So, so yeah, there, there may just be impacts from that. Yeah, and even without getting into the conversation around that, but vaccines, we might not see, as in we, the general public, may not see the true benefits of that for six months to a year. So my my personal view, and it is my personal view, is that I think Q1, Q2 of 2021 may look very similar to to Q1, Q2 of 2020. Yes, I think there's, there's still a lot of a lot of time to go before life returns to, to normal. Um, and of course, it will never be exactly back how it was. Things have changed. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so it will be, be more back to, to how it was. And just while you mentioned stamp duty, 
a little bit in there. I thought I'd mention that there is a, a government petition to try and extend the stamp duty holiday, uh, which we'll, we'll link to in the show notes if anyone's uh, curious about that. So then, last episode, I thought I'd mention, which is a, a little more upbeat, thankfully. It's quite a recent <laughs> one, episode 54, uh, where we, we take a, an in-depth look at Rent to Rent. Why you're doing it, Stuart, and how you're doing it, and the details uh, of what was involved in, in that process. So it's a very recent episode. We don't probably don't really need to, to revisit that right now, but I just want to, to signpost that for anyone listening who's curious about Rent to Rent. Do, do pop back and have a look at episode 54, which will, of course, be linked in the show notes from, from this week as well. And unless you've got anything else you want to add, Stuart, we've gone over time a bit, so I shall round up. No, just just a, a, a request, really. Please do sign that petition to extend the stamp duty because it will really help me with my residential purchase, which is not due until June of next year. So if you've got no other reason to want to do it, just just help me. That would be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that we, uh, we do this podcast for selfish ends at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. God forbid. Um, right, well, at least that's an entertaining uh, point to end on. So I hope you've been enjoying this episode as we take a look back uh, over 2020 and some of the things we've talked about during it. And please do let someone else know about the Business of Property podcast. We really do appreciate you sharing it. All the show notes and episodes we've mentioned can be found on thebusinessofproperty.com. And we will talk to you again next week.